good evening. I pray all of you are well. Good. <laughs> Twas the month after Christmas, and all through the house, nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I'd nibble, the eggnog I'd taste at the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. I'd remember the marvelous meals I'd prepared, the gravies and sauces and beef nicely reared, the punch and the candy, the bread and the cheese, and the way I had not said, no, thank you, please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt and prepared once again to do battle with dirt, I said to myself, as I only can, you can't spend the winter disguised as a man. So away with the last of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruit cake, every cracker and chip, every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I won't have a cookie, not even a lick. I want only to chew on a long celery stick. I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch in a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore. But isn't that what January's for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all and to all a good diet. So when you enjoy your goodies tonight... Just remember, January's just around the corner. <laughs> I love the topic. Oh, <laughs> I love that, that little, you know, you give these great emails, and uh, that was one I got a long time ago, and I love it. Exceeding great joy. Isn't that a wonderful title? I love that. I love Christmas. You know, we do a lot of things at Christmas that we don't do the rest of the year, It's a fun time to get all the family together and bake those special cookies that we only see at Christmas time, Uh, go shopping with with family and get presents for each one, and just being together. That's that's the special thing. But I especially love about Christmas is the Christmas music. We had some wonderful music tonight. Didn't you love that last one? Oh, I've never heard that. I loved, did she write that? I don't. I tell you what, that was awesome. That was. But what a message! See, that's why I love Christmas music, because the Christmas carols have such a message in them. Right? It's not just words. It's not just la la la, but it's words that have meaning, because the words of most Christmas carols are based on the Word of God, and they're on the Word Himself, Jesus. And that's what I love about them. We sang "Joy to the World." And why do we have joy in the world? Because the Lord has come, right? All heaven and nature sing because he has come. And it says, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And that's the thing. Are we preparing him room in our hearts? That's what matters. That's when we have joy. When he has place in our hearts, when he's number one in our lives. And then there's the Christmas carol, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. You know, that was a song that they used to sing to the gentry. The the guys that would be guarding the walls of the city would sing this song at night, and they'd get a little extra pay for doing it. But listen to the words. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior 
was born on Christmas Day. There are a lot of things in life that can bring dismay. A lot of things can bring hopelessness, disappointment, fear. But as this Christmas carol says, we don't have to have those things. We don't have to have dismay. Why? Because Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. This past week, we saw Satan's power in San Bernardino. But the Bible says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Ladies, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, it says, his perfect love Cast out fear because fear involves punishment. And you know, the greatest news that we have is that we don't have to face punishment. We don't have to face the penalty of death, which is what our sin brings. But we can have eternal life with Jesus. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Don't you love that? I love the fact that God wants to bring us comfort. You know, my daughter, eight years ago, was murdered. And that was a very difficult time, a very painful time. But I want to tell you something. God, who is the God of all comfort, was there for me all throughout that horrible time right after she died in these last eight years. He has been there for me. You know, it's an awesome thing to know that you can turn to the Lord and he can bring you comfort when no one else can. You see, he knows you. He knows all about you. In fact, Psalm 139 says he knows when you get up and when you sit down. Isn't that amazing? Some of you sit more than you rise. (laughs) He says he knows the words that you're going to speak before they come out of your mouth. Haven't you wished sometimes that he would stop them before they came out? He knows the hairs on your head, and he knows the real color, too. (laughs) He knows all about us. He knows when we're down. He knows when we're sad. He knows when we're going through a hard time. You know, Christmas can be one of the hardest times of of the year for people because sometimes you don't have money. You feel like there's so many things you need to get at Christmas time. You feel depressed. Maybe you miss people. I just opened my Facebook this morning, and one of my dearest friends was killed in a car accident Saturday night. I felt sadness. But you know what? God knows all about you and all about the things you're going through. And the awesome thing is that he cares about us. And he cares what we're going through. He cares what we face. He cares that at times the money is very short. I remember one time we were, my husband was an assistant pastor at a church in Arcadia, California, and we got in the car that morning and he said to me, we only have X amount of dollars to last the rest of the month. And I was like, what? You're kidding. I mean, that's for everything. That's for gas. That's for lunch money. That's for groceries. That's for everything. And I'm serious. I was fearful. But we got to church and I was working in the nursery that day. And a girl came to the door. She was a single mom in our church. And she said, Janie, the Lord woke me up this morning and told me to give you something. She reached in her pocket and pulled out a $20 bill. She said, God told me to give you this $20 bill. 
I said, Janet, I can't take that from you. You need it more than I do. She said, are you going to rob me of the blessing God wants to give me? I said, I don't want to rob you. She said, take it, take it. (laughs) So I took it. And then I said to the Lord, why didn't you send a rich person to give me that money? (laughs) I would have felt a lot better taking it from a rich person. (laughs) Well, I finished working that morning, and the church secretary called me in her office, and she said, you got a phone call from Emily. She wants you to stop by her house. I said, okay, I will. I stopped by Emily's house. She said, come here. The Lord woke me up this morning and told me to get this for you. She took me into her dining room, which was literally covered with bags of groceries. I thought, God's been really busy today. (laughs) Just bag after bag I took to my car. It had things in there. My kids were so excited, things I never would have bought for them. But you see, that particular situation taught me a lesson. My God is faithful. My God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything I can imagine. You see, we can have comfort knowing that he knows us. We can have comfort knowing that he knows our needs. We can have comfort knowing that he's the God of all mercy and he's the God of all grace. You know what mercy means? It means not getting what we deserve. You know what we really deserve because of our sin? We deserve eternal death and hell. You see, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And in that garden, there was only one rule. That rule said you can eat of any tree in the garden but that one. Adam and Eve didn't have in-laws. Adam and Eve had never sinned. Can you imagine? They freely walked with God in the evening. But there was one rule. And isn't it interesting how our flesh craves what we shouldn't have, right? I don't salivate over the cauliflower in the grocery store. (laughs) But put me in that chocolate aisle, let me tell you. You know, we want that. My flesh wants that. And I think that's the way it was with Eve. I think every time she passed that tree, because the Bible tells us that it looked good to her eyes, the lust of the eyes. And she thought it would be good to eat the lust of the flesh. But the real hook was when somebody in the garden spoke to Eve. Oh, Eve, (laughs) I see you've been looking at the tree again. (laughs) What is it about that tree, Eve? (laughs) What is it God said? (laughs) Oh, yes, he said you shall not eat of the tree or you will die. (laughs) You shall not surely die, Eve. You will be as God, knowing good and evil. Precious. And Eve listened to him. That was the hook. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, but the pride of life. I will be as God. You see, that was the same lie that Satan believed. He believed he could be as God. He was, he was the 
top angel in heaven. He was the most beautiful angel, the most musical angel. But that wasn't enough. He wanted to be God. And that got him kicked out of heaven. And now here's Eve making that same decision. And the Bible says she was deceived. And she took that fruit. And there goes the disobedience. She disobeyed God's one rule. She bit into that fruit. And then there was Adam. Now Adam, (coughs) the Bible says, excuse me, (coughs) snake kind of got me there. (laughs) Adam, it says, knew exactly what he was doing. God is the one that told Adam directly about not eating of that tree. When Adam took that fruit, he knew exactly what he was doing. And when he partook of the fruit, you know what happened? It says their eyes were opened. And they said the strangest thing to each other. Adam, you're naked. You are too. And you're going, well, didn't they know that before? You see, before, there was no sin, only innocence. Now there was sin. Now they had disobeyed God. That's what sin is. And now they would have to pay the consequences of that disobedience. Now they would feel guilt and condemnation that we feel when we sin. Now they would be separated from God. Now they feared God instead of looking forward to seeing him. Now they were hiding in the garden. They grabbed fig leaves and tried to cover their nakedness. And the the sad thing is, fig leaves don't work very long. When leaves dry up, what happens? You get a mini, mini. (laughs) They could not cover their flesh any more than they could cover their sin. And God came in the garden that evening. Where are you, Adam and Eve? Who told you that you have no clothes on? And God said, I have to make clothes for you. So he took a pet lamb of Adam. There's never been death in the garden. He took that lamb and he killed that lamb. Blood was shed in order to make clothes to cover their flesh, but it was also a picture. You see, now man had sin. And every man born of man and woman comes already in sin. Sin nature. God himself had to be the one to come and save his created beings, the creator. He had to send his son. Jesus had to leave heaven. That's what we sang about. He was willing to leave heaven and all the angels worshiping him, and he became a man like us. God had to be his father because he had to be sinless. No man was sinless after Adam and Eve. But Mary had to be his mother because she was human. And that meant that he could be God in the flesh. That's an important thing. He's not just another man. He's not just a prophet. He's God in flesh. Do you know what they call that? Incarnation. I like to think of carne asada, right? (laughs) Carne, meat, flesh, God in the flesh. But that's one of the most important things the Bible teaches us. This was God who came to save us. 
Now, he came as a little baby. He became a little helpless baby dependent on his mother. But the real reason he came was to die on a cross. Because, you see, if Jesus hadn't died on that cross, every one of us would receive the penalty of death that started with Adam and Eve. The Bible says what we get, our wages, what we earn for sin, for disobedience, is death. How sad is that? Because all of us have sinned. Is there anybody in here? I want to see your hand. If there's anybody in here who's never lied, if you raise your hand, you just lied. Because we've all lied, haven't we? That's one of God's commandments. Thou shalt not lie. And guess what? We've all lied. We've all at least committed one sin. So all of us are deserving of hell. But God's mercy, which is there because of his love for you, his mercy says you're not going to get what you deserve. His grace says you're going to get what you don't deserve. You know what we don't deserve? Life eternal. We don't deserve heaven with Jesus forever. None of us deserve it. But Jesus paid for that on that cross. He's the one. It's as if we all committed a crime, which we have, and we're in the court, and the judge says, you're sentenced to death. And Jesus stands up and he says, I will take her place. I don't want her to die. I will die for her. And then he had the joy of knowing that when he died on that cross, and not just died, the third day he rose from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And now the promise is that we can have eternal life. That's the joy. He, he was willing to go to that cross for the joy of knowing that we can now have fellowship and relationship with God here on earth, but we also will have eternity with him in heaven. Isn't that good news? That's joy right there. That's comfort, right? You know, last week when those people went to their work, they had no clue that would be their last day on earth. No clue. None of us know when we're going to die, do we? But you know what? Some of the people who went that day and died were instantly with Jesus. The Bible says if you're a Christian, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that when you die, you will be instantly with him. To be present in the body, to be absent, you're with the Lord. Wow, that's good news, isn't it? I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear that if I should die, I'll be with him forever, for eternity. I have a daughter up there. I have my mom and dad and sister that were killed in a plane crash. They're up there. I have a little baby that I miscarried. I got a whole family up there waiting for me. But most of all, I have Jesus up there waiting for me. So these Christmas carols bring great joy. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye not, now ye not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. 
called you one, calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. We all can have joy and rejoicing. You know what it literally means to rejoice? It says to see joy, to be delighted. Joy is an emotion of great delight. But the important thing is who we delight in. Now, we can get all excited about Christmas presents and Christmas food and all this stuff, but the most wonderful joy you can have is knowing him, knowing him, having a relationship with him. Happiness comes and goes, doesn't it? Remember the song they used to sing, Be Happy? Remember that song? Well, sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. Happy a lot of times depends on circumstances, doesn't it? When things are going well, I'm happy, but not when things aren't going well. You see, joy is totally different. Joy is deeper than that. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy, no matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in, Jesus, our joy, is ever-present with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. His love for us will never change. Isn't that awesome? You know, I've changed a lot since I was young. I've changed in the colors I like in my house. When I first got married, everything was orange. I don't know why that was the color of the time. But I thought my kitchen, you wouldn't have an appetite if you didn't have orange placemats. I really learned that one well. (laughs) I didn't miss too many meals. But now all my tastes have changed. You know, now I have different colors in my house than I had at the beginning. Maybe your, cha- your uh, taste buds change. Have you noticed that? When I was a little kid, I lived in the South, and my daddy put all those vegetables on my plate, like okra and black-eyed peas and lima beans and, and uh, turnip greens and collard greens, and y'all don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I didn't like any of it. And I'd have to sit there, and he'd say, eat your food. I didn't want that stuff. Now I love it. Anybody in here cooking some of that? I'll come see you, because I love that food. Your tastes change, don't they? His taste for you, his love for you, never changes. His word never changes. He says he is the same yesterday, today, forever. And he has declared that he loves you and he'll never change his mind about that. Isn't that awesome? He'll never change what his word says. The promises that are in his word will never change. They're always going to be the same because he's unchanging. We have a reason to rejoice because we have him. Now, the first mention of joy we talked about a little bit earlier was the shepherds. Remember the story of the shepherds? I'm going to read just a teeny, teeny bit, the story that we all have heard so often, and yet it bears repeating. Now, there were in the same, shepherd, same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, And they were greatly afraid. How many of you think you would have been afraid had you been sitting out in the dark? And we know when you're in a field like that, it's major dark, right? And all of a sudden, 
these angels are in the sky. About a month ago, I don't know if any of you saw that, but all of a sudden there was a light in the heavens. Y'all saw that? Yeah, and I pointed it out to my friend. She said, oh, I think that's cars up on the mountain. No, it was something else going on, but it was very strange. It was just sitting there in the sky. But can you imagine an angel being there? It says, the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Jesus came to bring us. Peace in our hearts. Good tidings of great joy. You know, that day... In that, in Israel, there wasn't much good news. Not at all. In fact, they hadn't had any good news in a long time. God hadn't even spoken through the prophets or the kings for 400 years. 400-year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Romans had occupied that area. And if you know anything about the Romans, they were cruel. They did not care for the people of Israel They were only cruel. They would tax them greatly, and they would be very cruel in getting the taxes from the people. The Romans appointed rulers who didn't care about them, and taxes were very, very high. Everything was controlled by foreigners who worshipped many gods. Even the, quote, religious people did not have a relationship with God. Caiaphas, the high priest, was just a figure He was a political appointee. He didn't care about the things of God. And the people prayed, oh, Messiah, come. Messiah, come. The promise given in the garden. God said in the garden, I will send Messiah. I will send a Savior. He'll come through the woman. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of Satan. He will take away sin and death. And that promise was in the garden. Here we are all these years later, and the promise has never been fulfilled. 700 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah wrote this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before his birth, that was prophesied. And then 500 years before his birth, a prophet named Zechariah prophesied this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. You know what Zechariah's name means? God remembers. Is that cool or what? Ladies, I want to tell you right now, God remembers you. He remembers all about you. I remember one time I was speaking at a church, and this lady was coming to the, to the thing we were having that night. And in the car, she was crying. She was so lonely. 
She was so down. She felt so hopeless. And she was even beginning to doubt that God loved her. And so as she was driving to the meeting, she was crying. And she said, oh, God, please, please tonight, let me know that you still love me. Let me know that you care about me. So she came to the meeting. At the end, I was standing in the front And she came walking down the aisle, and tears were streaming down her face. And she got her finger, and she pointed to a pin on my lapel. She said, do you know where you got that pin? I said, I know a lady gave it to me at a retreat several years ago. She said, I'm the lady. When you walked out on that stage, and I saw that pin... It was God saying to me, see, I remember you. I love you. I thought, you know what? I didn't go to my jewelry box and say, oh, God, give me a pen to bless somebody. (laughs) I couldn't tell you today which pen it is. But you see, God knew that she needed a love telegram. He knew that she needed to remember how much he loves her that he remembers her, that he cares for her. And it's the same thing for you guys. He loves you. He cares for you. In Isaiah 49, it says a very interesting thing. This is God speaking to the people. He said this. I love this. Verse 13. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. And break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Have you ever felt that way sometime? God, have you forgotten? Have you heard my prayers or they just stop at the ceiling? Do you remember me? And this is what God replied. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. He doesn't just have your name. He knows you. He knows your case. He knows your circumstances. He knows your temptations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your wants. He knows your desires. He knows your works. He knows all about you. And the amazing thing to me is that God still loves me. And God still loves you. He cares about you. He hasn't ever forgotten you. You are his and he loves you. If you have asked Jesus to be your savior, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins and to accept his gift of salvation, he says your walls are continually before me. Think about this. If, if you had somebody's name written on your hand, we use our hands a lot when we talk, don't we? And I can imagine God just, oh, there she is. There she is, my precious one. Her name is right there on my hand. He cares about what concerns you. He cares about your problems. 
cares about your needs. He cares about your fears. We can all fear. He cares about all that. Right now in America, I would say the fear level is rather high. You know, um, my daughter lives in Europe, in Belgium. Belgium, the capital of terrorists right now. And remember when the massacre took place in Paris? Well, those terrorists that did that came from Belgium. In fact, they came from a community that's about 15 minutes from where my daughter lives. And all of a sudden, my daughter was receiving messages from the American embassy saying, do not go out of your house. Stay in. Do not get around any crowd of people. There were tanks. There were Humvees. There were military. There were police all in the streets. Very scary. And here I am so far away, not a thing I can do but trust the Lord. You know, the truth of the matter is, God says in Psalm 139, he knows the days we will live before we ever live one of them. And my daughter called me, and she was crying. She said, Mom, I want to come home. I want to come home. I said, Baby, I want you to come home. But remember this. God is with you. He's with you. If it is your time to go, which I don't think it is, you'll go. But you could be sitting at home in a chair and the wall fall on you. I mean, you know, that's the truth, isn't it? When your time is up, it's up. But, hey, the best is yet to come. Did y'all hear about that lady that wanted to be buried with a fork in her hand? Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Because she remembered every time she'd go to a potluck, they'd say, save your fork because the best is yet to come. <laughs> like tonight, right? Honey, the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. And if you have Jesus, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to be your Savior, then the best is yet to come for you. We need not fear. He loves you. He has plans for you. And he's faithful to keep his promises. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love. Not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know what that means? Giving the sinner who believes perfect righteousness. Do you know what your righteousness equals? The Bible says our righteousness, the things we might point to and say, this makes me a good person. He says it equals used menstrual cloths, used tampons for the younger people. Is that gross? I didn't say it. God did. He said, that's what your righteousness equals. In fact, in Romans, it says there's none good. No, not one. Because you see, one little sin messes us up. And yet, he loved us. And when Jesus died on that cross and I accept his gift of salvation, I'm cleansed of that sin. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. Now, when I sin after I come to Jesus, he's made provision for that too. I can come to him and confess my sin and he forgives me. He says he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You see, he paid for all those sins on the cross before I ever committed them. Well, why do I have to confess them then? Because I have to take ownership for that sin. 
I have to say, yes, I have sinned. Remember David? He was a man after God's heart. But he committed adultery. And then he had the husband of that girl met, uh, killed. He committed murder. A man after God's heart. But you see, David was not walking close to the Lord. And when we don't, things happen. But when the prophet came to David and pointed out his sin, David said, oh God, against you and you alone have I sinned. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, Lord. Take not your spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy thy salvation. See, um, David didn't have joy when he was walking in sin. But the awesome thing is that he could come back to God. He could come back and be forgiven and move forward. And that's what we can do also. Have you ever received news that made you so joyful you wanted to shout? I'll never forget one Christmas. My aunt had some money, and she sent it to us. It was $500. And it came right before Christmas. I think it was either Christmas Eve or the day before that. It came in the mail. Weren't expecting it. And I told my girls, I have five daughters. I said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's don't tell Daddy. We're going to wrap it in a big box and all the way down, smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and eventually he'll get to the check. And I can't wait to see his face. So we did, and oh boy, you should have seen his face. What? Where did this come from? He was so excited. That was joyful, just to see his face. It was joyful to get that check, I'll tell you that. What a blessing. I just received some joyous news. My baby girl, the one in Belgium, is going to have a baby. Ah! Now, this is really especially good. Let me tell you why. My first daughter had endometriosis and never was able to have children. Now my baby daughter also had endometriosis. And we were wondering, is it going to be the same song, second verse for her? So she went to a special doctor there in Belgium and Praise God. Five days after she went to that doctor, she got pregnant. Woo, hallelujah. I tell you what, God is so good, isn't he? Now, this girl, when my daughter was killed, this daughter just kind of went in a tailspin. And she got involved with some really bad people in Marietta. And you know, one day, she got in some trouble. And it was like the Holy Spirit just woke her up. And she said, Mama, I got to leave. I have to get out of here. I have to get away from these influences because I'm very weak. And she had been looking on the internet and she discovered that Calvary Chapel had a Bible college in England. And she was like, yes, I want to go to Europe. And I know.